This is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. Hey, welcome to Church for the Rest of Us. Our podcast, as always, is being broadcast from high atop our office complex in downtown West Palm Beach. And by high atop, I mean on the third floor in my office. Jimmy Scroggins here with my co-host, Leslie Bennett, and our good friend and frequent guest, Katie Cole. Katie, welcome to Church for the Rest of Us. Thank you so much. It's great to see you, even if it's through the gift of technology. I'm really happy to be here and excited to jump in and talk about today's topic. Me too. You know, normally when we have people on the podcast, Leslie, they're in their room with us. I know. And so, Especially uh, local people. I know. So occasionally <laughs> we do the Zoom deal, but man, we're just having to do it with everybody now. And I guess that's what social distancing brings us. Katie, why don't you tell everybody kind of what you're doing with your ministry and kind of the way that you're organizing and leading and impacting the world of church leadership right now? Well, that might be a little generous, but I have been serving in full-time church ministry for over 20 years, and a few years ago left my full-time staff role to start working with churches kind of at the church at large. And so I work mostly with multi-site churches or church growth strategies and leadership development, both of which are incredibly important topics at a time right now when we're in the midst of so much change and the world and COVID-19 has really forced us to pivot. So I work with a lot of leaders thinking through their strategy, helping them take next steps, make sure they're leading their people well, and really fulfilling the mission that God has given them, even if it looks like how they're going to get there might be a little different from today moving forward. And Katie, you've helped us a whole lot. You've helped me personally a lot. You've spoken into everything that we're doing in our organization. You've helped me in terms of helping me run better meetings, help me be a better communicator, helping our church organize. So if somebody wanted to contact you, we'll talk about this at the end as well, but if somebody wanted to contact you and get involved or maybe get you to speak into what they're doing, how would they do that? Sure. You can reach me on my website, kadicole.com, K-A-D-I-C-O-L-E.com. Just fill out an email. I'll get it. We'll follow up from there. Thanks. And I would highly, highly recommend that our listeners do that. Even if you think, well, our church is too small we really wouldn't be a, the right kind of client for Katie. Why don't you send her an email and let her be the judge of that? I'd encourage you to reach out. She is an excellent, excellent, excellent person to be speaking very powerfully into your life and into your ministry. And Leslie, you oversee all of our communications team, our production that has to do with our website, and you speak into all of our messaging. And a couple of years ago, we started a task force because we knew we needed to ramp up our virtual platforms, our production capacity, our creative energy. And you and Katie worked very closely together on that project. We sure did. So Katie's a great friend and it's been a pleasure to get to know her and work with her. I do want to mention before we forget that her book is called Developing Female Leaders. So Katie's spoken into my life both personally and professionally. And we got to lead that task force together. And it really set up really now we look back and see it's a foundation for really what we're doing now because everything is now shifted to digital content. And much of what we were talking about in our task force 
course, was how we could do this better at Family Church. In some ways, it's been rocket fuel in that area because we've been able to pull our team together and we have all of our best people working on what we decided to implement, which is we want our worship experiences to feel like a combination of family dinner and an Irish pub experience. A Baptist Irish pub. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So we're really so thankful to Katie for your investment in our church and how you set us up for success in this current environment. And so we're, we're just moving forward. Can you imagine what we'd have been like, Leslie, if we had not put in that year or year and a half of work to move the ball down the field? Because it really led us right into the Corona apocalypse. And if we were starting from where we started from back then, right now, we would be dead in the water. Thank God, Katie, that we were able to work together to get this thing moving. Yep. It is really amazing. I think as I talk to leaders, I hope every leader right now is experiencing or takes the time to acknowledge that God did things in their life, in their leadership, in their ministry to prepare them for this. It's one of the things that we as believers get to hold on to is that we didn't see this coming, but God knew this was coming. That's right. We thought like for the task force, we thought we were building A, B, and C. It turns out we built X, Y, and Z, but that's what was really needed. (laughs) That's right. That, you know, that combination of obeying and following God, even when it was hard, that was not an easy year for any of us on the task force. And we were in an uphill battle, but we fought through it. And God really has turned that into something that we didn't even know we needed. So I just hope every leader takes a moment to pause in the midst of this crisis and just see God's hand of provision who went before all of us and is really making a way for us into the future. No question about it. Now, Katie, you consult with some of the most significant leaders, churches, and organizations in the evangelical world. And so I just wonder, as we're in this situation with this virus and everybody's changing, what are you feeling? What are you learning? What are you sensing from the churches and leaders that you're interacting with? Well, I think Whenever you're in a crisis, you know, there's always so many things to think about and so many things to talk about. And it feels like so many things to solve and yet not enough information to solve it. So I did kind of boil down sort of four thoughts that I feel like are some of the most important. It's not incomprehensive by any means, but the organizations I see doing the best right now, the leadership teams I see being able to move forward in unity right now are talking about these four components to this situation. So the first one is really identifying and knowing the difference between crisis leadership and crisis management. And I think many times this is easy to forget, especially if you haven't led through a crisis before. Some of us who have been in ministry for a long time, 9-11, SARS, I wasn't in a strong, high-level leadership position, but I was in the organization watching that happen. If you've been through that at all, you know that there is a difference on the other side. And sometimes those reactions don't seem different in the moment. But I just want to clarify the two of them because it really has a long-term impact on your leadership and the health of your team ongoing. So crisis leadership is really all about people. Patrick Lencioni says that whenever there's a problem, you want to be exceedingly human. Leadership leads the hearts of people. Crisis management manages the things of ministry. And many times in a crisis, we start thinking with different parts of our brain, and it's easy to manage people and lead things. And as leaders, we have to remember to recenter ourselves. So crisis leadership is really about vision and inspiration. 
And that has to be the way we lead at the forefront, especially as believers, because the vision and the inspiration we're giving them are the promises of God. And if we shortchange that and start talking about when our services are coming back online, how the online thing is going, what our vision is, if we're going to build that building campaign or not, if we stick to the management of things, we're going to lose the hearts of our people and miss this great opportunity to connect them to the bigger vision of what God is doing. So vision is not the same as strategy. For instance, we're a multi-site church, but our vision is not to be a multi-site church. That's a strategy to reach our vision. So when you lead with vision, make sure you're not talking about the how, you're talking about the why and the what. But then on the other side, you want to talk about crisis management, which is how are all the things going to play out? That's where details come into play. People have to have information, but that should be a far second. As time goes on, that will become more and more important because the vision and the inspiration will be locked in in people's hearts and it won't be as fearful. But right now, the most important thing you can be doing is leading with vision and with inspiration. All right. I think that's fantastic. That's a great way to think because I do think all of us as leaders do have that tendency to revert back to management because management is easier. You can quantify it. You can make a list. You can check it off. Are we doing these different things? Whereas leadership requires, you know, before you can inspire somebody else, you have to be inspired. And so I've faced some of the challenge of, okay, I know what was inspiring me in February, but, and it's the same thing. It's not like God's changed or the gospel has changed, but still the way that we're doing it is totally different for this season. And so I've got to be inspired about what's happening every day at Family Church because if I'm not inspired, nobody's going to be inspired. And so to me, that's, that's exactly one of the big right. changes is getting getting leaders to inspire themselves or let God inspire them, however you say it. But if you're not fired up, nobody else is going to get yeah. fired up. That's for sure. I think one of well, the best and- things that Pastor Jimmy has done is he brought out his cockroach for us so that we could see <laughs> that uh, he's inspired us, that we get to be a part of a church that's going to last no matter what. And that we've been here since 1901. The church, of course, has been here for 2000 years and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it because that's what Jesus told us. And we get to be a part of history and the history yeah. books will look back on us and see that we fought to build our church during this time. We fought to lead our people during this time. We fought to connect to our people during this time. And so he's really inspired us with those kinds of admonitions, which do fire us up. That's a great point. And I think really points to one of the keys to vision and particularly vision when you're leading change, either change you started or change that's been cast upon you, is what are the things that are staying the same? I think as leaders, so many times we get ahead and think of what's changing or what we're going to adapt or how we're fixing things. But part of what brings people peace and confidence in leadership and where they're at today is what will stay the same. So our vision is still the same. Our mission is still the same. Our love for you is still the same. We are still a body. We are still a community, even if we're connecting like this through technology and not side by side on a Sunday morning. So many things are staying the same, even as some things are changing. That's good. Well, now, Katie, you interact just by necessity with, you know, large organizations and and leaders that are that are literally global in the scope of things that they're trying to impact. But a lot of our listeners are on a little bit of a smaller scale. So these would be pastors of a church that don't have staff or maybe they have three or four staff, you know, pastors, smaller, medium sized churches. What are the kinds of things that you're learning that really pastors of churches of any size should be thinking about? I think one of the most important is to keep in mind that particularly in this situation with social isolation and distancing, 
recreating community in fresh ways is still critical. And we can use technology to do that. We can be creative. I see people all over the internet doing amazing things. We can really help reimagine what community looks like. And we champion community all the time, especially in the church. We're probably one of the strongest voices for relationship, for accountability, for connection. And we need to keep being that voice. I think it's important for all of us to remember that technology and even like this Zoom meeting is not about meetings. It might be called a Zoom meeting, but it is about connection and community. And so how can we recreate that? There are really kind of three aspects to community that I think are important as leaders for us to think through regardless of our size. And we have to think of it from the congregation's perspective. So if you are a small church or a small campus of 100 people, your sense of community and connectedness is very different than you're at a church or a campus of a few thousand. So how can you recreate what you have? If you're at a place where everyone literally knows each other's names, how do you create interactions? You can have a Zoom meeting with 50 people on there. You can have a prayer time and have everybody's face on the screen. Churches who are bigger can't do that. I actually think the smaller the church, the more agile they can be in this kind of situation because scale matters in these moments. And it matters when we're trying to recreate it. Last night was my husband's birthday. So we had aunts and uncles on the front yard on the sidewalk. We're on the patio in our chair. We've got 10 people on Zoom calls from all over the country. We were laughing because it's the most people who've ever come to celebrate my husband's birthday (laughs) all at one time through the power of technology. So our sense of community as a family was totally different and better, but we knew we weren't having a tactical strategic meeting. We knew we were having a social communal kind of connection. And so it's easy if we haven't had, if our scale hasn't required us to use technology before, we've been able to have the luxury of face-to-face interactions all the time that we not mistake technology as a way to not have connection. It's actually the vehicle God's given us to keep those connections alive. So having really those social communal times and using the technology, it doesn't have to be complicated. It just has to be accessible. Making sure that we're using those times for strategic meetings, but then also just having some hangout times. I try to really encourage all leaders to think through how are you recreating your lobby experience? How are you recreating the time after service where that is where the most fellowship happens? Are you creating that somehow? Even if you put your service online, which almost everyone has, how are you recreating those lobby experiences and get creative with it? There's, you can do a group text. You can do a Zoom meeting. You can do everybody jump on Facebook. You could do all sorts of ways, a group email. It doesn't matter what you choose. It matters that you choose it and you communicate to your people that this is what this forum is for. And I think one of the things that you said that resonates with me, like these Zoom calls, Zoom groups, Zoom meetings are most helpful in the church context for maintaining the connections that have already been established face to face. We haven't yet found them super effective for establishing new meaningful connections because the only reason that those people are Zooming to your husband's birthday party because they already know you and love you and love the other people on the call. If you just said, hey, you know, we're going to get it together with a random party for 10 people that don't know each other, that's not nearly as as fun. And Leslie, I think we've seen a lot of that too, because we have thousands of people on Zoom calls every week in our groups. Yeah, we sure do. And I think it isn't a very effective strategy. I think a lot of churches are using it, like you said, Katie, and we are doing our best to maintain those connections and hopefully make some new connections. Do you have any thoughts about that, about how do you make new connections during this time? Yes, actually. I think that Jimmy's point is really well taken that this is usually a great way to 
enhance already existing relationships. I would really encourage leaders, though, to widen your scope of who you think those relationships are. Because even though you may see a family twice a year at Christmas and Easter, they consider you their church home, right? It's easy for you to think of them as visitors, but they think of this as their spiritual family, even if they don't know all that they're missing. And so reaching out to those people that I would say are half-connected, and bringing them all the way into connection. It is hard to get someone who's got zero connection into full connection through technology. Although I feel like a millennial mindset is much more open to that. Mm -hmm. They tend to form relationships through technology that lead to -to face-to-face. So I think there's a great opportunity with younger, young adult ministries, student ministries to go after engaging kids in a way that would lead to a face-to-face engagement later this fall. But for those of us who are like 30 and over, it's really going to be about nurturing the small connection we already have. And so I encourage churches to just go old school. This is where Phone calls, text messages, emails, all that follow-up, inviting people to things, just like we would invite them to a face-to-face event, recreating those things in digital formats. People are experiencing needs now that weren't here a month ago. Financial needs, relational needs, loneliness, isolation, social needs. We as the church know how to take care of needs. And so if we can unleash our body life into open access for people who are looking for something to connect to, I think we can grasp a lot of new connections and deeper relationships than we've had before. That's good. Yeah. Well, one big component of what we have to wrestle with as church leaders is connection. And so we've talked some about that. But then the other part is this issue of content. So it looked to me like for the first month or so, all of us were like, literally vomiting through the internet as much content, whether it was good or bad, day and night, morning, you know, we're like content because we think, oh, we've got to put all this content. And I've watched some churches, large and effective churches go both ways. So I know Christ Fellowship, our our good friends here in town, they've decided they're going to do less content, but higher quality, while some other churches that we know have decided, no, we're going to do as much content 24-7 as we can highly effective leaders in churches. And so when you look at it, I'm just curious as to how you see the value and the power of content during this season. Yeah, I think there probably are different opportunities for different churches, different contexts, different populations. I think the rule of thumb for this is to consider your primary audience, the people who are already connected in your church or kind of that one degree away. I think of you as my church family, but even if I haven't been active in it. And so if you can get a pulse, just like any business or ministry or organization do, what do our people want? There are some contexts in which people are sitting on Facebook all day long and a lot of content is what they're looking for. And there are other contexts where our lives are busier and more hectic and more stressful at home than it's ever been. I've lost all my ability to outsource, right? Like I was, I had a business, I had a ministry, I had, I volunteered, I have a family, I have a teenager. I outsourced many things in my life to be able to lead in multiple arenas. I've lost all of those outsourcing abilities, including public education. So now I'm also a full-time homeschool person. And so my life feels fuller and more complex than ever. So I don't have time to sit on social media. So higher quality content is going to reach someone like me differently. So knowing who your audience is and really getting on the phone and connecting. And I think this is one of the most important things is that guessing doesn't work. And even though it might feel like most pastors don't spend a lot of time 
calling and checking in with people. I think now is a very important time to do that, regardless of the size of your church. Even if, you, if you're in a big context, divide it up between your staff and leaders. If you're in a small context, do it all yourself. But you are not seeing your people anymore. And great leaders have an intuitive sense of walking through the congregation, even two minutes before service starts, and getting a pulse of their people. They can tell the marriage that's sitting a little further apart than they were a month ago. They can see the kid that's misbehaving. They can see the teenager that's completely tuned out. They can see the old person who's hungry for every single word because they're so scared at end of life. There's an intuitive pulse you get when you're in space with people. We have to recreate that pulse. Otherwise, we're making decisions in the dark. And I think that's that's so crucial because this idea of content has to be good and content is part of what you're expected to deliver as a pastor. Like you ought to at least be trying to do, still do the best sermon and Sunday morning that you can online, whether it's Facebook Live or from your living room or whatever it is. At the same time, I just think what I feel in this conversation with you, Katie, is every time we bring up something else, you just pivot back to, yeah, but you better be connecting. <laughs> and so I just want you to know, I'm hearing that loud and clear. I'm feeling the force of that at Family Church. So thank you for sharing that with us. I wonder, Katie, if as we kind of wrap this conversation up for this time, I wonder if there's any kind of parting shot or closing words that you'd like to share with our listeners, just like, hey, guys, if there's anything you're hearing, if there's anything you're feeling, you're reading in the news, you're getting 50 webinar invitations a day. What is the one takeaway? Guys, make sure you're doing this. And by guys, I mean all people. Leaders. Yes. That's okay. I answered to guys. I think more than anything, it's really important that we are practicing self-leadership well so that we can lead others. So part of what we talked about in the very beginning of being connected to God and getting inspiration from him, particularly as spiritual leaders, it just cannot be overdone in this time. You have to put your own face mask on first, like literally these days, but doing that in a way so that out of your, the overflow of your leadership, you're leading your congregation. These are very tumultuous times. People get a lot of great advice and a lot of great vision from thousands of people on the internet every day. You're the spiritual leader who can speak to their heart. And so that has to happen and that will inform all your other plans. So making plans for reopening will come because you've been connected to the Lord and connected to your people. Everyone is responding differently in a crisis. We usually use this kind of risk analysis for financial donations, right? Like who or financial investment, right. who's a high risk, who's a low risk. That plays true in this scenario. So you could reopen your church in two weeks and not have everyone back, even if it's 100% safe. You'll only know that if you're connected with your people. And so as you make plans to reopen, as you think through the logistics of what there are, and there are a lot of great ways to go about that, the biggest part is our job is to serve our people as we follow what God is leading us to. And so connected to him, connected to our people, and serving the needs and the heartbeat of our people, that is the thing that's going to keep our church together. And that is the thing that's going to stand out and be different on the other side of this, because we have healthy, whole, unified congregations. That's the piece that will be different on the other side and speak to our community about God's love for them. All right. So to kind of summarize my takeaways from this conversation, Katie, number one, leaders have to lead ourselves. We've got to lean into the Lord and let God motivate us. And we've got to be motivated Two, we have to stay connected with our people and work hard and fight, as Leslie said, for those connections. Three, we need to make sure that we're leaning into people leadership more than we are detail management, although that can that can be important. So those are kind of the three things that I thought 
were so powerful that I heard you say. And Leslie, it's always great to have Katie on with us. And she For sure. is such a great friend and <laughs> yes. such a blessing to, to our church. Yeah. Thanks, Katie. And I do hope people will reach out to you because any conversation that you have with Katie Cole is going to help you. She's a very strategic thinker, a very innovative thinker. And so we really are so thankful, Katie, that you're part of our team, that you love our church, that you love us. And we really are praying for you during this time and knowing that God's using you in a powerful way. Give us that website again, Katie. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. So Katie Cole, K-A-D-I-C-O-L-E.com. KatieCole.com. I highly recommend it. And Katie, my favorite thing about you and Matt and Ethan is that you are real Jesus people. That's true. You're not just a talking head. You're not just someone who writes and speaks and consults. You walk with Jesus. You love Jesus. You do it authentically. Your whole family does. So thank you for being a part of our church and being a part of this conversation. It means so much. All right. This has been, once again, Church for the Rest of Us. Reach out to us on social media. Email us. Jump on our website, familychurchnetwork.com. We always love to hear from our listeners. This is Jimmy Scroggins, Leslie Bennett, Katie Cole. This has been Church for the Rest of Us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.